The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Are you ready for operational excellence? Welcome to the Visual Workplace, Work That Makes Sense, where your host and visual workplace expert, Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth, shares powerful visual principles and practices to optimize your operations and make them safer, faster, better, and far less costly. The Visual Workplace, you can't get to excellence without it. Now, here's Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth. Hi. <laughs> Hi, this is Gwendolyn Galsworth, and welcome to our weekly radio show about letting the workplace speak, about looking at some aspect of that, of embedding the intelligence, our intelligence, into the living landscape of work. We do that through visual devices. We do that through physical mechanisms that capture the components of that intelligence, our operational specifications, our standard operating procedures, the way we do things the right way. These are embedded through the visual devices that we invent. These are not cookie-cutter devices, even though in function they will be very similar. But they are instead peculiar and particular to the locale, to our industry, and also to our physical site because they are capturing the gaps in our knowledge base and the gaps in our specification base. They're capturing the gaps in our ability to perform according to the rules and regulations of our operational system. Visual devices are there. They identify and hold and fulfill and complete the gap. If there's a gap somewhere, Visuality will surface it. You will be able to see it because as you create these layers of visuality, you are creating your next layer of best practice, your next um, platform. And so you keep building this platform. And that's why the visual workplace, even though you can identify a finite number of visual devices that will fulfill your operational uh, system, you still continue to refine those, to refine the thinking that's behind, the logic that's behind your visual devices, so that you have a very, very refined and elegant workplace that speaks. It's a workplace that speaks. And that's what this show is about. And it's been my pleasure. I'm going into my, I think, second year, maybe third year. It's all running together anymore. <laughs> But I'll tell you, these shows are the highlight of my week. I have many highlights, but this is one of them. I love doing these shows, and I love sharing with you what I've learned. And in a little while, as you know, we're going to start getting your voice in here as well. So let me make a few announcements, just a couple, and and also just preview you that today we have some final things to say about smart placement um, on which we have spent a number of shows almost since the beginning of January. And then I also want to uh, share with you some pieces of Pokioke. 
I've been doing some work on Pokeyoke for the last two and a half, three months. We're working with a biomedical firm, and it is forcing me to get my language better and forcing me to learn even more. Um, I thought I was pretty good at Pokeyoke, but I had an insight this weekend. I said, you know what, I'm going to share this with people who come to the Visual Workplace on Tuesdays because this is just knocking me on my behind and... I want to share it with you and see if it if it has the same effect on you. So we're going to be doing that today. Ending up with smart, ending smart placement. A few words about Pokeyoke, and uh, I want to want to make a few announcements first, or at least thank you for your emails. Thank you. You're emailing me. I am so pleased. We have had thanks from some folks in Japan. Imagine that. Japan has thanked us for our shows on smart placement and the UK and Italy and almost to a person each of these emails have said that you are going to integrate smart placement into your current 5S because in fact you've been trying it out and getting a strong response you've been seeing that your 5S is coming alive again perhaps or maybe for the first time and that um, it is creating a new level of thinking in your operators and your supervisors and the workplace is getting smarter and smarter because we're getting smarter and smarter. And remember, you can get the details in my book, Work That Makes Sense, and also I think there are four modules of this in our webinar series called Work That Makes Sense. It's a 12 or 13 um, module webinar series, and four of those are on smart placement, the very thing that we've been talking about. So you can get more details, although these shows have been pretty darn detailed. Um, I think that we've done a pretty darn good job in uh, introducing some of the subtleties of this system. And, you know, uh, what we're going to do in our continuing shows is we're going to continue into 5S doing borders with greater detail than about a year ago, addresses, mini systems. We're going to... Uh, introduce something that we have not yet touched upon but that's been a part of my 5S for the last 15, 20 years and that is customer-driven visual order. How do you help operators listen to the voice, the questions of their internal and external customers and their internal and external suppliers so that you're really creating much more of a language uh, of this. So that will take us a little bit of time and uh, you have also, thank you for the emails again, you have also, some of you have emailed to ask me more on visual leadership. As a matter of fact, that is what I'm doing in, in parallel to my uh, re-exploration of Pokeyoke. I'm doing a lot of visual leadership work. It is unbelievably interesting. I can tell you, I knew there were challenges because I've already faced those challenges, but my clients are coming up with some new ones, and uh, <laughs> it's so interesting and all very consonant with the idea of leadership and leading and deciding, not just monitoring improvement or monitoring through KPIs, but actually using your metrics to drive, drive, drive. There's so much to share here. I feel really, in a way, overwhelmed with the uh, new insights and the new understandings that are coming my way, I'm very, very grateful. There is almost nothing I'd rather do except maybe rollerblading 
then uh, work on aspects of visuality. I just went rollerblading for the first time in like four years. This Saturday, last Saturday night, I had such a great time flying around the floor. I, I even got into my crossovers. I was a little bit uh, afraid that I might not be able to do them anymore. Now all I have to do is learn how to go backwards. That's my big challenge. I never did learn how to go backwards. And uh, my favorite way of stopping is by hurling myself onto the nearest car because I, I rollerblade in the street. <laughs> so um, let me see. I wanted to also tell you that um, Heidi Houston, our esteemed special projects coordinator, is making a special web page for my uh, website, visualworkplace.com that has all my shows with descriptions and she's also asked me if I could name my top 10 for each year so that you would know which shows I think are really special and I love this idea and of course I'll do it. So uh, lots and lots of things are happening. We can spring happen. We can feel spring happening on the inside and outside of us. Things are beginning to burst open. So we're very happy about that. So the last time we met we had finished our 14th, our 14 principles of smart placement. We went through them all, one by one by one, described them to you, and described ways in which you could ap- uh, apply them. I'm going to just read through those 14 principles right now at, by way of reminder. And then we got to the point where you were going to present on them. And I want to say some things about those presentations today. So here are the 14 principles in order. Number one, principle one, locate function at or near the point of views. So nothing very special about that except how important it is for opening up the flow. Principle two, nothing on the floor, nothing on top. Principle three, capture the full function. Principle four, no doors, no drawers. That was a fun, that was a fun one. Five, put it on wheels. Six, make it ergonomically sound. Seven, make function appear or disappear at will. Very interesting. Eight, let flow do the work. Nine, do major and minor sorts. Remember, we talked about sorting the universe. Ten, co-locate like items. Design to task. Eleven, that was ten. Eleven, use the existing architecture. Double up. 12, store things, not air, or it's reverse, squeeze the air out. Remember, we were turning negative space that was just costing the company money into positive space by storing things, not air, so that the air could make a contribution. 13, double up the function. And 14, use the natural flow line. So those are our 14 principles. And you're at a point of using your could-be map or your dream map to identify application areas. And as you're doing this, you are also making a change chart. And if, Or if you haven't done it yet, you'll do it now. You'll make a chart and you'll identify the, the things in blue, easy to move, the things in pink, your whip, the consumables in green, and even your hard-to-moves. You're going to identify them on a chart and you're going to prepare to present. Now, for me, the presentation is really, really important because up until now, even though everyone is learning and applying together, you're pretty much in your own islands, on your own tables with your what is map and your could be map nearby 
listening to the principles, making changes, thinking. Some of you have pulled apart and sat elsewhere and created a minority report or your own view of how things should change. And now you're going to present. So I'm going to give you what we consider to be the kind of profile of that presentation. These pro these presentations are really an important opportunity for operators or for colleagues to present their thinking to senior management. And we usually try to get the plant manager in the room if the GM is around, certainly the engineering manager, maintenance. Okay? And remember, when people present, they're going to be presenting improvements that they can make on their own, the blues, the pinks, and the greens. They will also, towards the end, present on their yellows, on their hard-to-moves, without any promise that they'll get the authorization they may seek. But the other ones, they can just do it. They can just do them. Okay? You'll get a thank you for sure, but you may not get an okay, let's proceed. So when... It's time for a team or a group of people to present the map that they've been working on together. I like to see all the members stand up, up front together and take turns in presenting, passing the baton. You can put a row of chairs up there so people can sit or they can just hang out. I actually think it's better for them to sit so there's a single point of focus, which is the person who is presenting. And if you are certain that you don't want to present, you just tell the facilitator. And they'll probably still ask you, would you stand with your team? And I hope you say yes. But you don't have to present if you don't want to. Sometimes language is a problem. And sometimes people just aren't comfortable presenting in front of a group, even though we're all friends. So the maps go up there. The two maps, the what is map on one side, the could be map on the other. And I like to do a reveal. I like to have only one map showing at a time. So they're, they're covered with a piece of paper or you have them folded in half. And then you show the what is map and you show this is what our current layout is. And this is the kind of commotion or motion that is created because of the layout of function, the location of function. This is what we discovered. There's congestion here. There's a bottleneck there. You can see it for yourself. And then you reveal the second map. Pull the piece of paper off or unfold it. And by then it's usually time for someone else in the, on the team to start presenting. And all we do is we just take the baton out of one person's hand and give it to the other, you know, when there's a, a kind of natural moment of waiting, of pause. And then the next person gets up to speak because we want it to represent what in truth has happened, which is everybody has participated. I'm going to tell you more as soon as we get back from our first break. I'll see you in a minute. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. 
Are you ready to bring the power of the visual workplace to your company? Gwendolyn Galsworth, visual workplace expert and award-winning author, is available to help you harness and maximize that power. With nearly 30 years of hands-on experience, Dr. Galsworth shows you how through in-house seminars, site assessments, total company conversions, keynotes, coaching, and consulting. Learn about visuality through our books, DVDs, on-demand webinars, visual edge learning packages, and a host of other teaching materials. Enroll in the Visual Lean Institute and get trained and licensed as an instructor or QMI affiliate in any of our nine core visual workplace courses. Keep your visual workplace going and growing. Visit our website at visualworkplace.com to learn more about workplace visuality, our products and services, and when Gwendolyn will be presenting near you. That website again is visualworkplace.com. Bob Pritchard has over 30 years of experience as a straight-talking business consultant and author working with some of the top Fortune 500 companies. Now he's come to the Voice America Business Channel to help you and your business. Tune in to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show for information about starting and successfully running a profitable business. From the movers and shakers to great marketing screw-ups, you can't afford to miss a single edition of the Bob Pritchard Radio Show, Tuesdays at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Business. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to The Visual Workplace, work that makes sense with Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's toll-free, 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to radio at visualworkplace.com. Now, back to the program. Hello again, it's Gwendolyn. And we are back into our, the second segment of our show today where we're kind of wrapping up on Smart Placement, talking about presenting on what the team's found, or if you're a member of the team, what you found in doing your application of the 14 smart placement principles. You're sharing your insights and your understandings, your improvement ideas with others, not just with your other people in the group, the people who've been working uh, at other tables, but also with uh, members of senior management, people who have the authority to both really appreciate the impact of what you're doing to the bottom line, but also perhaps to clear the way on some of those ideas that we call hard to move, the yellow ideas. So you've presented your what is map, you've shared your insights into what is causing the motion and the extent to which motion is the enemy in your area, and the facilitator or your trainer will ask people out in the audience, do you have any clarifying questions? That means questions about what was just said. Could you clarify this or that? What do you mean by that? Clarifying questions so we're clear enough. And after that, folks then walk us through their could-be map, sharing insights and understandings about reducing the causes of motion, shrinking the motion through smart placement. And they show us on the map, and the what is map is up there by contrast, and you can see the changes. And sometimes it's radical, without even touching the yellows, without even touching the yellows. And you step us through, if you're, I'm talking to you as an operator now, you step us through your change chart. And after you've done that, 
the facilitator will ask for clarifying questions again. Is there, do anybody have a question about what was just said? We are not looking for improvement ideas right now, but we are trying to get clear on what that, what was just said. And then people ask those questions. Okay? And, and the people who are presenting will clarify. And then there's an opportunity, and we like to take this opportunity for people in the audience to say very specifically a minimum of three, a maximum of five things that they really, really liked about the new thinking and about the recommendations. And they have to be three distinct ideas. This is the way to say thank you. I loved what you said about uh, the the bottleneck that was in the corner here. That's always troubled me. I've always seen whip uh, pile up there. I loved your idea about changing the blah bitty blah And I loved this and I loved that from three different people, maximum five different ideas. Okay? And you get the feeling going because the next thing that's going to happen is people are going to then make their own, give their constructive feedback. Because people in the audience are thinking right along with you. And they may have found ways that they think will strengthen your idea or adjust it this way or that. And here's the rule of thumb. The facilitator will facilitate that. Anybody got uh, improvement ideas, constructive feedback to the group. And to every piece of constructive feedback, what the presenting team says is thank you. Or wow, that's so interesting. Thank you. Unless you have a clarifying question back. Hey, I don't know quite what you mean by that. Can you tell me more? That's fine. But everything else is thank you. There's no, no, you don't understand that, that, that's impossible here. There's just accepting the idea. And one of your team members takes notes so that you keep track of the ideas. Okay? So thank you very much. Okay? And you don't want to have more of an open exchange because you want to get on to the next group. You usually have four or five groups to present. Okay? So everybody says thank you back. And at the end of it, what I like to do is have a photograph. A photograph, it's kind of going off to the side, and somebody in the room who is uh, kind of um, a helper will take the team off to the side with one of the head honchos. I'm thinking of Ron Page, who was in charge of Hitchcock during during this time, and he was, and he's in our book as well. And he will stand with the group, very, very happy, and they'll have a picture taken, and then they'll get the picture later on. Uh, by email or printed for them to take home and show to their family or just to feel good about the experience. And we go through that. And that is the, uh, the session. That's the presentation session. And by the way, if you don't want your picture taken, just say the word. Nobody's going to make you do it. Some people don't like to have their picture taken. I, amongst them, I'm, I think it's my natural vanity that really governs that. Nothing more serious than that. <laughs> So after the formal presentations, what we are left with is a bunch of tasks that need to be posted on your area hit list, things you're going to do, the changes you're going to make, and you have it on a hit list, and you have a timeline on there, and you have somebody with a buddy usually who's accountable for making that change, and you start going through your hit list. Because remember, in Smart Plus Placement, nothing has changed except your thinking. 
You've captured your new thinking on the map, and now you have to make it real. You have to do that before you start laying down the borders. You start capturing the function, the pattern of your functions. Management also has a hit list. I call it a punch list. And on that punch list is all the things that they have to do. Maintenance has got to get this kind of a shelf. Maintenance has got to build this. I've got to authorize that. I've got to blah, 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 blah. And you have a complete list. And this list, in my view, should also get posted. Both the hit list and the punch list. So that people can see that progress is being made. Leaders, there is no way to overemphasize the importance of your responding to people's improvement ideas with speedy support. In this case, it's going to be smart placement ideas. In this case, they're going to be captured on the punch list. If you have a coordinator, that coordinator is going to make sure that everything is nicely um, mapped out and listed. For easy-to-move items, those are your blues, your pinks, and your greens, it may mean releasing improvement time so that associates can get those tasks done because they can do it on on their own, making sure they have the required supplies, using the hit list to help people focus and target their next activity, scheduling blitzes as time permits, staying positive, giving lots of compliments, specific praise, I love the flow through this part of the work area. This is such an improvement. Very specific praise, not just thanks. Checking in through open-ended questions. Hey, how's it going? Are we checking along at a good pace here? Is anything is stuck? Anything I can help with? And before and during and after taking lots of people. Uh, I'm sorry, lots of pictures if people, if people permit you to. Lots of pictures of things and lots of Pictures of people doing things or standing by the things, like a trophy. Leaders, your active involvement and support are key to ensuring that your company reaps the many, many, many benefits that smart placement can produce. Not just the physical changes, which are enormous, but also the opportunity for greater cultural alignment because people have been involved, because they do feel part of the team and part of the company, and you want to strengthen that feeling. You want to use smart placement and the good investment of hours that you've made in helping people think. You want to capitalize on that and harvest that into greater work culture alignment. And as I mentioned before, of equal importance is your own follow-through on the tasks on your management punch list, the yellows. you got to walk the talk. Nothing will dampen the interest and excitement that smart placement can and always does trigger more than a lukewarm or non-existent follow-through on your commitment and on the commitment of your peers. As a rule, we look at a three-week window. If something doesn't happen during that time, associates will start dropping out first in their minds and then in their hearts, and you may never get them back. Because remember, they've been deeply involved in envisioning this change. They know why it needs to happen, and they know what its impact will be when it does happen. That was the whole idea of the presentations. By the same token, if a management task legitimately gets stuck, You just communicate that. You need to communicate that. Hey, I know we plan to move that bench by Friday, but Jerry is out ill, and we will do it as soon as he gets back. Sorry, he's the go-to person on this, and we have to wait for him. 
it's and that and and that will be enough. People will understand because they have something to understand. I know this may sound overly simplistic, but in fact, we cannot overestimate the importance of communicating, communicating, communicating. The biggest mistake that people make about communication is they think it has happened when it hasn't. And you know it has happened because people will let you know. They'll respond back. The biggest mistake is thinking that communication has happened. Don't let that happen to you. So follow through and follow up and you will reap a splendid benefit from smart placement. I really, really want to encourage you. I'm going to mention one or two other things. I think that I can squeeze it in before the break. One of the... One of the exercises that you can do that some of you who have been involved in lean already know about is uh, what's called a paper doll layout. And a paper doll layout is when you make full-size cardboard cutouts of all the floor items, the benches, the machines, the cabinets, the whip, the pallets, in as close to their actual size and shape as possible. And then you lay them out in some large vacated space. Maybe it's a parking lot if weather permits or an area in the warehouse or you clear out part of the cafeteria if it's sunny weather and people can eat outside. And you lay it out so that you can check out your thinking and discover, for example, if you overestimated or underestimated the distance between value fields, the direction and complexity of the flow, or if you got it just right. So the paper doll layout allows you to validate your dream, your dream map, and to edit it. And your supervisor will help. But this is very, very important. So let's move into our break. We'll finish up the final, final, final pieces. I want to tell you a little story right after this second break, and I'll see you in just a minute. The business community's first choice in Internet Talk Radio, Voice America Business Network. Are you ready to bring the power of the visual workplace to your company? Gwendolyn Galsworth, visual workplace expert and award-winning author, is available to help you harness and maximize that power. With nearly 30 years of hands-on experience, Dr. Galsworth shows you how through in-house seminars, site assessments, total company conversions, keynotes, coaching, and consulting. Learn about visuality through our books, DVDs, on-demand webinars, visual edge learning packages, and a host of other teaching materials. Enroll in the Visual Lean Institute and get trained and licensed as an instructor or QMI affiliate in any of our nine core visual workplace courses. Keep your visual workplace going and growing. Visit our website at visualworkplace.com to learn more about workplace visuality, our products and services, and when Gwendolyn will be presenting near you. That website again is visualworkplace.com. Everybody needs expert advice when they look to develop their personal brand. Join Rochelle McCrary for The Leader and the Muse. Rochelle and her guests will bring you practical tips and tools to help you build your brand in ways that propel you into greater personal and business success. For strategies, stories, and much more, tune in to the Voice America Business Channel every Friday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time for The Leader and the Muse. 
and get ready to take your brand to the next level. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You're listening to The Visual Workplace, work that makes sense with Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's toll-free, 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to radio at visualworkplace.com. Now, back to the program. Hi. Hi there, it's Gwendolyn. We're in our third segment of the show, and welcome back. We are finishing up on our smart placement, kind of telling you what happens after the maps have been done and have, and they've been presented. So what should you expect from all of this great smart placement thinking? Well, you can count if you're, if you're been working with your team on developing these maps, you can count on it taking two or three weeks to get everything in place. Sometimes it takes longer. This is not just a question of management doing the tasks it needs to do, the ones that I just mentioned before. It's also a matter of time availability. In organizations that adopt improvement time as a measure, and I certainly encourage you to, you know, an official improvement time policy, that will depend on how much time your supervisor can afford to release for improvement, for improvement activity. Also, I want to just give you a heads up that in some companies, even though they're very committed to continuous improvement, they will sometimes go through a period that it gets a little rocky, where there seems to be people who are, well, we need to learn how to balance improvement goals with production demands, and sometimes it takes a little bit of time. And if this is your first cycle through a more robust approach to 5S, it may take you a little bit more time to complete the tasks because, in a way, the organization isn't used to having this much improvement activity coming out of the mapping exercise. Okay, but it is well, well worth it. And the final thing that I want to talk to you about is something that I talked about many, many weeks ago when we began the mapping process, and that is the importance of minority reports. During the presentations that we talked about earlier in this show, the people who have alternate opinions or alternate views or what I call minority reports, their own idea of how the could-be map should be, they present as well, not in competition, but simply to offer an alternate idea. And these are very, very important. And so they present at the same time. And I want to give you an example, a little story that I also promised you many, many weeks ago about what happened at the cables department at the Harris plant in Quincy, Illinois. This department was responsible for assembling wiring harnesses, electrical wire harnesses for large radio communication systems, broadcast systems. And only a few weeks before smart placement began, three cabling areas were merged into a single department. Seventeen women who used to work across three departments were suddenly in the same department, faced with a far more complex product flow because they absorbed each other's product line and also challenged 
with never having worked together before. When smart placement came along, these women who really did not know each other all that well found themselves sitting around a very large table because the department had a large footprint and mapping out the current layout. That went pretty well. Everybody knew that it was complicated. They had all these different product flows. They had green lines and blue lines and red lines and green lines with hatch marks and dotted lines. They had all these product flows. They wanted to demonstrate them all. Very little in that department was yellow. Most of it were tables, cabling tables that were on wheels and could be moved easily. But the common areas were are was where the uh, were where the supplies were. When it came time to map out ways of improving the layout, the dream map that could be mapped, everyone expected the discussion to get pretty lively, but it didn't. The women simply sat politely around the table and appeared to listen. However, behind the scenes. The broke, I'm sorry, the group broke into three factions or three very organized groups. They were organized around different layout preferences. And these evolved into three distinct minority reports. And they presented at the end, just the way I described earlier, but then the process completely stalled. People stopped talking to each other. People began to really gird their loins and take a position. Happily, the new supervisor who used to be one of the three supervisors of those three areas, the other two supervisors were absorbed as value-add associates. You can imagine what that was like. The new supervisor whose name was Deanna Butler had learned about true consensus. We had talked about that earlier when we went through the four people process tools. Remember brainstorming, gatekeeping, the talking stick and true consensus. Remember that show? And she decided to launch the process and boy, she was brilliant. It took more than several weeks to work through the details. But the cables department ended up with not only a very fine new layout, They also had gotten to know each other. Mental walls left over from the old thinking came down and a new level of respect and cooperation and departmental performance emerged. And I really credit Deanna for this. She seeded the trust. She made sure that people were careful in understanding the differences and other people's preferences They really surfaced areas of differences so that they could understand each other. They used the talking stick more than once. And the final layout contained the elements, a few elements from everyone's map. It was really, really excellent. So I want to tell you that this is a real process. Smart placement is a real process. Even the principles, even though the principles are kind of a list, The process itself is dynamic and can do a great deal to not only maximize all the hidden performance that is now masked over by a bad layout, but also bring people out and give them a huge way to participate in the new department. So I really want to encourage you, and you have all of the podcasts, you can listen to them again. I think in listening to them again, you might be able to pick up some more of 
the um, subtlety of this approach. So that concludes my riff on smart placement. I can't imagine ever doing it again more thoroughly because we've taken, what, eight or nine weeks. But I hope that you've had a vivid experience. In what remains of the show, <laughs> I want to talk to you about my discoveries on Pokeyoke. So we're making a switch now. We're switching over to visual guarantees, mistake-proofing. You might call it error-proofing or fail-safing. It's Pokeyoke. And one of the things that I know about Pokeyoke is lots of people think they understand it. And they use words like, 100% source inspection, feedback loop, team thinking. And I have found that since I began my journey in Pokyok, which was 1984, with Shigeo Shingo, he was my sensei in this, somehow or other it has gotten very diluted. And as I was reading through the current discussion of Pokyok, there's a major, major piece that I feel has been overlooked, which is really the heart of Pokeyoke, and that's what I want to kind of share with you now. Now, you know that statistics have always been very popular, but particularly popular since Six Sigma and Black Belts have come along, right? And what statistics can do, just to give you a kind of summary, what statistics can do is enable you to see variation. The premise that is a part-to-part difference. Statistics can help you sort through the data, put it into bins governed by the height and the width of buckets we call the bars and show you the spread or the distribution. The assumption is that we will be able to spot defects in the making, that we will be able to spot defects on the low end and on the high end because the distribution will reveal it. So what we know instead is this is actually not so, and there's one main reason that statistics can't predict defects. Statistics are not a doorway for understanding defects, and that is because defects happen because mistakes happen. Defects do not happen because of variation. They happen because a mistake has happened. And mistakes are rare events, and they're random events. Martin Hinckley and I are working on, on this particular project together, and it's been such an interesting blending of his approach and mine. I studied with Shingo, he did his dissert, and, and, and Martin did his dissertation, his PhD dissertation on, um, on defects and, and mistakes. So, uh, his is not a classic, uh, Pokeyoke approach, while mine is. I mean, I just was steeped in it for several years. So it's been very interesting and I think very strengthening for both of us. So as humans and as dedicated employees, we manage to catch most of the mistakes that we make as we're making them or directly thereafter. We still don't have a defect event. We don't have a defect event. It's the undetected mistakes, that those mistakes that escape 
and those are even more rare and more random than just plain old mistakes. Undetected mistakes can lead to catastrophic outcomes. You know, we have an example of a poor young man, a 10-year-old, who went into a hospital and somebody made a mistake and took the wrong rib out. And then he had to go under the knife again to have the right rib removed. And there's 44,000 to 100,000 people who die every year due to medical errors, and that's in the U.S. alone. So mistakes are everywhere. Mistakes are everywhere. A stealth fighter once crashed. They cost $42 million apiece because four of the five bolts that hold the, um, the wings in place were omitted. That's a mistake. There's no way that variation can find it. Okay, because it's a rare and a random event. That, by the way, is Martin's language. I love that. A rare and random event. I think I'm going to make a t-shirt that says, I am a rare and random event. And I told you on one recent show of a quality defect report, 10,000 of them in aerospace covering 320,000 defects. And when, and Martin did this, this stu- the study, the analysis, he did not do the collection of the data, he did the collection, the analysis of the reports. Only five of the reports attributed the cause of the de- defect to variation. The rest were reported as being caused by mistakes. So the evidence is un- undeniable, irrefutable. What I want to do after this, our, our last break, which we're going to go into in a moment, is talk to you about source inspection and why it's the device that is the solution. So we'll do that in just a minute. See you in a second. Please come back. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Are you ready to bring the power of the visual workplace to your company? Gwendolyn Galsworth, visual workplace expert and award-winning author, is available to help you harness and maximize that power. With nearly 30 years of hands-on experience, Dr. Galsworth shows you how through in-house seminars, site assessments, total company conversions, keynotes, coaching, and consulting. Learn about visuality through our books, DVDs, on-demand webinars, visual edge learning packages, and a host of other teaching materials. Enroll in the Visual Lean Institute and get trained and licensed as an instructor or QMI affiliate in any of our nine core visual workplace courses. Keep your visual workplace going and growing. Visit our website at visualworkplace.com to learn more about workplace visuality, our products and services, and when Gwendolyn will be presenting near you. That website again is visualworkplace.com. Hi, I'm Rebecca Costa, host of the Costa Report, every Tuesday at 6 a.m. and again at 6 p.m. This week, my guest is the former Secretary of the Treasury under President Bush, Mr. Paul O'Neill. Mr. O'Neill will be here to talk about why reinvesting Clinton's surplus in Social Security was a good idea, how the current global recession was predictable, and what is needed to secure America's financial future. Don't miss Paul O'Neill this Tuesday at 6 a.m. and again at 6 p.m. on the Voice America Business Channel. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You're 
listening to The Visual Workplace, work that makes sense with Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's toll-free, 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to radio at visualworkplace.com. Now, back to the program. Hi, this is Gwendolyn again. Hi, this is the last segment of our show, and we have shifted focus from the conclusion of Smart Placement to looking at Pokey Oak because of something that happened to me over the weekend. Actually, it happened on my birthday, which was last Thursday. I went up to a place called Mount Hood where there was snow everywhere, and I just... I said, you know what? My birthday present is I'm going to crack the code on this, on this sequence that I was working on with Pokeyoke because something was eluding me and I needed a lot, a lot of silence. And I, and I got it. And, and even though I got it 25, 30 years ago when I was working with Shingo directly, I got it all over again. And it's this. So we're taking as an absolute principle that defects are primarily caused by mistakes Mistakes are rare and random. They can't be, they can't be predicted, even though there are certain circumstances that make them more likely. Those circumstances I call red rabbits. That's another story, the red rabbit invasion in Australia. But red rabbits would be poor working conditions, contamination, slight or almost invisible differences, too many, too often of stuff, or too few, too seldom. The mere act of counting is already a, a, a error-provoking pro- condition, a red rabbit, what I call a red rabbit. Lack of an effective standard is a red rabbit. A lot of anything will provoke mistakes. Too much noise in the environment, too much heat, too much moisture, all of that stuff. There are conditions that provoke mistakes. It's very, very difficult to say that they actually cause the mistake, but mistakes will happen more frequently within those environments. So, we cannot depend on inspection to help us find out, number one, even where the mistakes are made, or number two, how to prevent them. What we do instead is we look at the, we will find a defect and we look at the exact place, the where, and the exact time, the when, when the mistake should not have happened. In other words, the source when and where the attribute should have been achieved, where the mistake should not have happened. And we look for ways to embed the behavior that will create that attribute. We we call that place in that time the source. And we look for a device that will ensure that that attribute, whether it's an attribute of behavior or an attribute of product, whether it's process or product, that that attribute is achieved, is caused. I like to call Pokey Oak 
mastering cause on the attribute level. And through our thinking, through our focusing at that exact moment, at that exact spot, we then seek to invent devices that will allow the process to inspect itself. And that is what is meant by 100% source inspection, that the time and the place, that exact moment, inspects itself against the attributes that need to happen there. That's what 100% source inspection is. And we invent devices that embed that. And I've seen a lot in the literature and a lot in the thinking that creates so-called mistake-proofing devices that are simply visual devices, better checklists, better mechanisms that help us pick the right thing, such as a color coding, but they're not deeply embedded devices. A pokey oak device at its highest will make the wrong behavior impossible. Impossible. It isn't just that we're improving our performance, but rather we're achieving the precise performance and we have no choice. It really does remove the human will from the equation. So this idea of 100% source inspection is, is very available to us. We can think our way into better quality by thinking in this way, by mastering cause at the source. And I want to encourage you, encourage you to think about that. I want to encourage you to admire and use your mind. The thinking process. Pokeyoke is about devices, but it is also a new way of thinking about defects and the mistakes that cause most defects. Pokeyoke thinking. Okay, it's a mechanism, but it is also a way of thinking. And it is not any further out of your reach than your mind. It is a way of thinking. You know, I, <laughs> in the best of companies, there are typically 12 Pokeyoke devices for every 60 seconds of work content. I'm talking about Toyota. And in those same companies, they check their Pokeyoke devices, the ones that are susceptible to failure or drift, four times a day. That's how important it is, and that's how embedded the quality response is. Hmm? So I'm going to tell you about uh, an advertisement I saw. This is from 1970. It's from Volkswagen, and it shows you a little single Volkswagen car, and it shows you a bunch of bunch of guys in white coats. And the big the big title says it takes this many men to inspect this many Volkswagens which means it takes this many men to inspect one Volkswagen. This is 1970. And it's such an interesting um, advertising because it captures the whole belief in inspection as a way to control quality. This is what it says. This is the, the, sub, the, the small print. There are really only two things that stand between you and a new Volkswagen. $1,799, which is what it cost <laughs> in 1970, $1,799 and 1,104 inspectors. The money is your problem. The number of inspectors that it takes to okay each and every Volkswagen 
that leaves a Volkswagen factory is ours. You see, once a man becomes a full inspector, and of course this is all gender-based men, once a man becomes a full inspector at our factory, he'll spend three years learning how to do that, and he becomes a different man. Because he now has the power to overrule any and all decisions that, that release to the, to the market the car. Even one no from any one of these 1,104 inspectors says that this Volkswagen is not a Volkswagen. Every single Volkswagen part is inspected at least three times. That means that there are more than 16,000 different inspection points in all. Think of it, 16,000. We lose an average of 225 bugs a day that way. In other words, they don't escape. So if you ever have to wait a little longer than you care to for your new Volkswagen, now you know why. It's not that we can't make them fast enough. It's just that we can't make them good enough, fast enough. Isn't that fabulous? And that's the old way. That's the old way. And even then, it was not an expensive car, was it? Seventeen ninety-nine. Imagine what it would be now. Imagine what it is now. So we're learning a new way to think about about quality. And Pokeyoke is the answer. SPC has a lot, a lot of important applications. But for quality, it has limited use because it doesn't look at the mistake. It looks at the defect. It measures the defect. So these are things to think about. I've really had a great time talking with you today. I don't think I can squeeze in another datum, but I do have another one. Let me see if Matt will let me squeeze it in. Nope, he's not going to let me. So (laughs) I'll see you the next time. Thank you very, very much for listening in, and I look forward to um, the next time we're together. This is Gwendolyn Galsworth, and I'm signing off. We appreciate your joining us this week for The Visual Workplace, work that makes sense. Please tune in for another episode next Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific, featuring your host, Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth, on the Voice America Business Channel. Thanks again for listening.